The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And thank you again for joining us on our AI Today podcast. We are rapidly heading to our 200th episode, so uh, maybe we'll do something special when we get to 200. We'll see. Uh, but it's been almost four years, and you know we've had some fantastic guests, You know, organizations such as iRobot and Wells Fargo, Dun & Bradstreet, Home Depot. We've interviewed folks from GlaxoSmithKline and just lots of other organizations, as well as many U.S. and international governments government agencies all doing some fantastic things with AI. You know, folks at the GSA, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service, also out in the city of Oslo and the United Kingdom, uh, Health and Human Services, the IRS, just so many, so many different organizations. And I think it's really cool to hear how all these different uh, organizations, both in the public and the private sector, are really adopting AI. And I think one of the, some of the cool things that we have noticed is everybody's pretty much at the same place. You know, it's, there's some variation between industries. I mean, some industries are being a little more, say, conservative with their adoption of, of AI than others. But I think the, it's interesting. There's not, there's like no holes in sort of like the space of AI. I think everybody has sort of realized that this is a transformative technology. And so, you know, the reason why I mention this is that, uh, you know, this podcast we have today will be really interesting to hear from, well, an interesting and high-level uh, leader, thought leader in the health uh, space to tell us how AI adoption is heading there. But I also encourage you to listen to some of our other podcasts as well, because we've we've had some fantastic interviews with lots of different perspectives. And so if you just subscribe, make sure you do subscribe to our AI Today podcast, and you will get not only this podcast, but all the future ones as well. Exactly. So, you know, we always love having guests on our podcast because they bring such, you know, different and unique perspectives. As we have mentioned, if you've listened to our podcast in the past, Cognolytica is a research and education firm. So we do spend some podcasts interviewing guests and other podcasts explain key insights into the AI and cognitive technology market. Also explain how different industries are applying artificial intelligence. And so Ron mentioned, you know, it's always great that uh, we get to talk to people from so many industries because we get to see what's going on. So our guest today, we're so excited to have with us Elon Kazi, who's the Vice President, Data Science and Machine Learning at United Health Group. Hi, Elon, and thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. We'd like to start by introducing yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at the United Health Group. Sure. Uh, so my name is Elon Kazi, and right now I lead a team of data scientists at United Health Group. Uh, my team focuses on improving health outcomes for Medicare members and using different data science and machine learning techniques um, to focus on quality within healthcare. In terms of my background, I, I come from a little bit more non-traditional background than, than many of my peers in, in these types of roles. Uh, so I actually started off my career in healthcare consulting. And I was mainly doing consulting with uh, provider organizations and some healthcare IT consulting. And from there, I actually moved over to Target. Uh, so 
was a huge retailer, um, and I was working for their healthcare division, uh, focusing a lot on different business analytics and really starting to um, use different data science techniques. And then from there, I ended up moving to United Health Group, where I've been for um, five and a half years. Um, and during that time, I've led many different types of not only data science teams, but also different analytics teams. Um, and a lot of what I know today was actually more self-taught. There wasn't you know, really a, a good template five or even 10 years ago uh, to get into data science. And so I had to do a lot of that work on my own. And then as I hired more data scientists, a lot of it was just learning, learning from them and Hiring very talented and, and very high performing people. Well, that sounds great. I know maybe maybe just before we sort of swing into the to the first question here about you know trying to dig a little bit deeper, um, we have a very international audience, and maybe people might not be familiar with United Health Group, both as a organization, even though I know they're gigantic here in the United States. So maybe you can talk just just briefly and uh, about how about the organization, kind of sort of what you do <laughs> and, and sort of the scope of, of the things that you do. Sure. United Health Group is a, a global company. Uh, there are over 300,000 employees across the globe, and it has a presence in, in many different countries, so not only in, um, in many different continents, so not only North America, but also um, South America, Europe, Asia, uh, very, very worldwide company. Um, in, in terms of the, the business itself, so there, there's many different focus areas for United Health Group. Uh, my team focuses within the Medicare space, so predominantly uh, patients who are 65 and older, um, as well as patients under 65 that may have different chronic conditions and disabilities. Uh, United also has focus areas within more of the, the commercial insurance space, um, as well as some uh, external facing consulting services. So there's definitely a lot going on within the company. And even though I've been there a while, I'm sure that they're, they're doing things that, that I don't even know about. Cool. We'll start diving a little bit uh, deeper into this. Um, you know, at, you are presenting at our recent machine learning lifecycle conference, and I really encourage our listeners to go to mllifecycleconf.com and check it out. Most of the sessions, actually all the sessions, are still available. Uh, we keep them up for several months. And you may notice, actually, we have made some some pretty significant changes to our event site, by the way. So hopefully you're enjoying that. We're trying to make it much easier to consume uh, session content across all the various communities that we run. And I just want to also note that our Machine Learning Lifecycle Conference, which was like a three-day conference, January 26th through 28th, 2021, is becoming now now a regular monthly event series so that we can sort of keep this community going. We haven't yet announced the next community event, and if you are interested in participating either as a sponsor or as a speaker, although we uh, have a really great list of speakers, but definitely reach out to us. You know, Send us a message at info, I-N-F-O, at Cognolytica, C-O-G-N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A.com. If you're interested, we'd love to have you participate. Uh, but at the last conference, Elon uh, was one of our presenters, and he gave a fantastic talk on leading data scientists the right way. So for our listeners who haven't yet maybe seen your session and maybe might want to, maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, what you talked about during that session and some some key insights. Sure. So with, with the session, I, I titled it 
leading data scientists the right way, which obviously is is tongue in cheek. Um, there are probably hundreds, if not thousands, of different ways to to lead data scientists effectively. And the the purpose of the presentation was to really show um, different business leaders and, and especially people who might not be as as technical. It was to really show them the ins and the outs of of what it takes to lead data scientists and and how you can partner and just work very productively with data scientists. Um, my other goal was also to dispel uh, some of the myths that that people think about. Uh, so one of those myths is that you know leading data scientists are working on data science projects that it's really the the technical pieces or even the the technology or the languages that can that can trip up any project or that can make it more difficult. And what I've actually found in my experience and in, in speaking with my peers across the industry is that any type of enterprise level AI uh, can really get tripped up by challenges with the culture, um, challenges with with communication, and just in general, um, the people side. Um, And I I think that that's something that many of us don't really think about as much. Uh, So that's, you know, that's, I I think, one of the the key takeaways that um, people got from the presentation. And then um, the other the other key takeaway was just around what a data scientist actually does, what their backgrounds look like. I think that um, especially with people who are non-technical, they think of data science as another offshoot of, of IT, for instance. And the two disciplines could not be more different. It's a good analogy for that is saying that you know sales and marketing are identical because they're both business fields. So I think I was able to to really go through and and kind of unpack the skill sets of a data scientist and you know what they're really good at and just um, what they really need to to focus on with their career. So that that was another one I know I had received uh, a lot of questions uh, throughout the presentation around that. And then I would say that the last takeaway was just on what it takes to really make enterprise AI projects or initiatives successful. And one of the key takeaways from that was having any initiative or or any ideas being very use case focused. So having an idea of how the solution or how the technique can be used and then really applying it towards outcomes, whether it's increasing revenue or reducing risk, but having it be very outcomes and, and metrics driven. That's great. You know, I think you're right. People and organizations sometimes overlook that, you know, people aspect of things. And I think that, uh, you know, sometimes cultural changes, they can be quite difficult. So those were some great takeaways. Um, I know that that was a very well-received presentation. So if our listeners did not get a chance to check it out, you definitely can at, um, you know, the Machine Learning Lifecycle Conference. And at Cognolytica, we, for the past few years, have um, done training on artificial intelligence and education, really. Uh, We do it at both public and private sector organizations. And so, you know, some themes that we constantly get are, um, you know, around hiring. So what are some of the key traits that you look for when you're hiring data scientists? And are you looking internally or externally in the organization? So hiring internally or trying to upskill and reskill people that you have? Yeah, that's that's a great question. 
when I think about skills, like the specific skill set that I'm looking for, with any data scientist, you you need, I'd say, stronger stronger technical skills and and really uh, their ability to use different types of of languages. Um, I would say, you know, what what I look for specifically, and and this this may vary company to company. Uh, many of my data scientists are, are Python experts. Uh, we found that using the Python ecosystem, um, it is really easy to do. It's easy to to scale up, and it's also a, a full service programming language. Um, and there are, there are a ton of different packages and, and libraries out there that are Python specific for machine learning. Um, and then I would say outside of that, so outside of the technical skills and and the math skills, what I really look for are things like curiosity. So having having that innate curiosity as a data scientist, and I don't know if that's something that can that can be taught or even coached. Um, I think it people either have it or or they don't. Um, so I when I when I've brought people on board. I'll look for some of their past projects. I'll look to see if they have their own portfolio, um, if they're contributing to to different open source projects, because that really shows me that they have not only the the passion but the curiosity to keep learning uh, and to keep bettering their skill set. And in a in an industry like machine learning, things are changing almost every day. Um, so the really good data scientists are always trying to figure out what are what are the new techniques and how can I better my skill set? Uh, the other skill I look for is cultural fit. And I've, I found that this is also extremely important. You can have uh, a star data scientist that you're wanting to bring on to a team, but if that, if that person doesn't fit well within the, the culture of the team and even the cultural values of the company, um, me as a leader, I would be setting them up for, for failure. And that's, that's not something I want to do. Um, Data science isn't just a kind of an individual sport. It really is a team sport. And having a data scientist with the ability to work with other data scientists on the team and even to work with leaders that might not be technically savvy or may not have that background is really key to success. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, we've been keeping an eye out on sort of the growth of data science, uh, both as a practice and a role, but also as a job category, as a role, because we keep track of these things as well as data engineering and data analysis and machine learning engineers and sort of the whole, you know, uh, ecosystem of uh, folks out there. And, you know, we've actually been seeing some really interesting trends lately in the growth of data science as a career, and actually, um, we're starting to see some inter- some some possibility that that data science as a career may actually be pl- plateauing in terms of overall hiring. I don't know; it, it might be a factor of um, you know, just sort of this last year, twenty twenty, has been kind of a weird year, and you know, <laughs> maybe a lot of that has frozen a lot of companies' hiring plans in general. But uh, we are definitely keeping an eye on that certainly the need for data science and data engineering as sort of a, a role and a function isn't going to go away, even if even if sort of hiring has slowed for those positions. We'll see. Although data engineering, supposedly, hiring is is going gangbusters. So, yeah, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. But, but also, you know, just in general, you know, what do you see as barriers to adoption of machine learning and more advanced forms of AI? You know, uh, is it data science skills and or is it like something else? Yeah, I, I think it's a that's a good first point that you made. Um, 
with with just hiring people and with the who we think of as a data scientist. Um, I, I think for you know, for my team, I've taken people both within our organization as well as externally. And I find that it, it's good to have that type of mix because if you only hire people internally, um, you might not get those those differentiated perspectives and that that diversity of thinking. Um, I've also found that you know, taking people from both within healthcare and from other industries, and that can actually be just as fascinating because people who are coming who are either new to healthcare or just from another industry, um, they really think about healthcare very differently than someone who has, you know, five or 10 years of healthcare experience. And that can also spur creativity and, and great discussions uh, within the team. When it comes to the, the role of a data scientist, I, I would say it, it's changed pretty significantly even in the last three to five years. And as I, as I look forward, you know, maybe over the next five to 10 years, um, I think Ron, you had mentioned data engineering. I see that as you know that that segment of it really taking off because there's more data than anybody could ever make sense of, and so the data engineering piece really comes into play because somebody first has to make sense of it before it can even be. Um, so that's a that's like a subsector of data science that is really seeing growth, and then there's also the um, I'd say that the usage of these auto ML platforms. So being able to, to do data science, data science without even knowing a programming language, just kind of you know, pointing and clicking, um, I think that's going to become a lot more important as well going forward because there has been such a shortage of data scientists. So that's a that's just another um, another trend that I see. In terms of barriers to to data science or even just adoption. Um, I have to once again just stretch, uh, uh, just emphasize uh, culture. And I think one of the things that I've seen in, in different companies and in, in talking with my peers is that unless you have that that data science or AI first tech culture, it's it's very challenging to to be successful um, through multiple initiatives. So I think in a traditional business setting. You have a, a beginning, a middle, and an end to projects. And the way that many projects are funded is, you know, people either sit in a room or they'll do a roadshow. And then it, it's almost like either there's a, a voting procedure or the highest level leader makes that final decision and picks one project or picks two projects, you know, to, to the exclusivity of 10 or 20. And with data science specific projects, it's not necessarily easy to identify which one is actually going to have success at the outset. Um, it's very similar to how venture capitalists will pick and fund 20 different companies, and maybe one or two of them will actually get them their 100x or 1,000x return. Um, data science projects work very similarly to that, and I think that that can, that can throw off the traditional management structure um, of different companies. And just how how companies are used to doing business. Um, so that's that's I think a big challenge at, at, at many companies. Um, I think the other barrier is just all of the the hype around data science and machine learning. People think that you know there's going to be killer robots or something crazy. And 
that's that's the position that they're starting from. So even in, in my role today, you know, a large part of it has been starting off the conversation by dispelling different myths and then showing what are some actual examples um, that people use in their everyday life that, you know, have the underpinnings of, of data science and machine learning. That that was a really great answer. You know, I know that there's always different barriers. And so it's nice to get your perspective on it. And, you know, they can they can be a broad range of things. Kind of following up on that, you know, looking into your crystal ball. Um, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? Yeah, I, I think AI is going to be embedded in, in pretty much everything that we do. Um, and many of us aren't even going to know that it's in there. So, you know, for example, even, even today, if you're using your iPhone and you're, you're texting somebody, um, your, your text messaging as you're typing in your words, your iPhone's trying to predict which words that you're going to be typing in. Well, that is using an AI construct, which is using, uh, different machine learning algorithms to help make that prediction. Now to the layperson. They have no idea it's doing that. They just see that, oh, it's, you know, this is pretty cool. I can type faster. It's helping me predict. But to somebody who is in the data science field, they know, they know the underpinnings. They know how something like that was created. So I see that becoming a, a huge part of our, our everyday life, um, especially in the future. Um, I think one of the, you know, one of the, the challenges from a, an ethics standpoint is, do we as a society want to you know have hard and fast rules of when ai can be used versus when it shouldn't be used and that's something that i've been very interested in um not only from a healthcare standpoint but even even outside of healthcare um i find it fascinating how ai is going to be used in society and it's something where there i think there there has to be some type of guardrails because what they found is that ai can actually magnify many of the, the biases that we have as a human society. Um, and I don't think that that's something that has been focused on enough just because this is such a, a new and emerging discipline. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, obviously we're still exploring sort of the breadth of which how and, and how AI can be applied in machine learning and all the patterns of AI that we talk about all the time, you know, here in our podcast, you know, whether it's the conversational pattern, recognition, predictive analytics, patterns and anomalies, detection, auto, auto, uh, autonomous systems, hyper-personalization, or goal-driven systems, you could think there's like a, a ton of different ways, almost an infinite number of ways that these patterns could be implemented. And surely we're going to be talking about them all here on this AI Today podcast and interviewing folks like Elon here who are giving us insights into uh, all these various different ways in which AI is being put into, into practice and also in some of the considerations. You know, this time around, you know, we were, we were thinking about some of the considerations around team building and growing data science as both a practice and a discipline and as a role. And I think it's really important for our listeners to, to be hearing about this because the markets do evolve. Things do change. You know, the year 2021 that we're in today is very different than the year 2020. is very different than the year 2019. This has been three, three so far, three very interesting years. We're only about a quarter of the way through uh, 2021. So, you know, I think, I think, you know, continuing to listen to these perspectives, listening to something, you know, say in 2018 and thinking that's still relevant in 2020 or 2021 may not be true. So this is part of the reason why we have folks like Elon here contributing and sharing their 
insights. So, Ilana, I really do want to thank you so much for joining us here on the AI Today podcast. We've really enjoyed having you. And our guests, I know, have been really valued uh, listening to you as well. So we hope uh, all of our guests have listened. We hope that you too, Ilan, have gotten a lot by contributing and sharing your insights here on AI Today. Sure. Yeah, thank you for having me and, and for the great conversation. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica, all rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.